Good afternoon. This is part 15 of the teaching series that I'm doing in uh, Ephesians. And today we will be picking up in chapter 3, verse 10, where we, the last few weeks we've been going through chapter 3 of uh, Ephesians, and we've uh, come to the point uh, we're going to be closing out the, we were actually in verses 1 through 13 over the last few weeks, and we're going to close out the last four verses today. But before we do that, and before we read that, just a quick review of what we've covered so far. Uh, Paul starts off this chapter saying, for this reason, I, Paul, and he's going to actually pick up on a prayer. He started in chapter 1 before he uh, went off on a rabbit trail in chapter 2. But he comes back and he's going to start to pray again. But then he also goes off on another rabbit trail. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on your behalf, you Gentiles. And Paul's talking about, uh, he's not saying that to them so they are, feeling guilty about it. He wants them to know, I'm uh, this is not, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of the Jews. Uh, it's not something I want you to feel guilty about. I want you to realize I'm a prisoner of Christ. Christ is the one who is who is my life, and he's the one who has brought me to this place that now I am a prisoner, maybe in a jail, but I'm a prisoner of Christ for his purpose, and that purpose is that you Gentiles would hear the gospel message also. And Paul starts to talk about God's grace that's been given him, this, this stewardship, this responsibility of a message, the mystery that he talks about being hidden in times past and ages past, but now in Christ Jesus, being it's been revealed, revealed to him, then to the apostles and prophets. And that mystery is that the Gentiles were to be fellow heirs with the Jews, members together of the same body, partakers of the same promises, equal equal heirs, and partners with Christ in what God is doing in Christ and through Christ. And so he's talking about it, and he's saying, that's the reason I've been put in jail. The, the Jews had uh, infuriated him, both believers and non-believers of, of Christ. The Jewish people did not like that idea. And, and Paul was saying, no, this is, this is what God purposed all along. The mystery was hidden, but now the mystery is revealed. Not just to me, but to, to the apostles and prophets, and now to all the saints that he wants them to know. And he, Paul talks about this stewardship he's been given to this message um, that he was uh, this gift of God's grace, this gift of the mystery. Uh, it was given to him so he, he, the least of the saints, could preach to the Gentile the unsearchable riches of Christ. And this was one of the things we finished up with last week, last uh, yeah, last episode, where uh, the message got Paul talking about the purpose he's received this message and received this mystery so he can get the message out to the Gentiles so they could experience the unsearchable riches of Christ just as the Jews were. But he was also saying, not only am I supposed to preach this message to the, the Gentiles, the salvation that's in Christ, but also to make known to everybody, that bring to light to every believer that, that, the, that, that there was this plan from ages past that, that, that God purposed to... to um, uh, have the Jew, Jews and the Gentiles together experience full salvation in Christ and become fellow heirs, uh, uh, fellow members of the, of the same body, and be partakers of God's of Christ's promises. And he's saying, he goes, I, I made known this plan, so you now who hear this message, that's me and you too, uh, have this stewardship of the message. It's, it's not about one ethnicity or one people group or one age group or, or, or one gender. It's all people, all humanity. Christ came to die for them. And all are uh, invited into the kingdom uh, salvation that comes in Christ Jesus. Be a part of that one new man. So let's pick up in, uh, on verse 10, reading that. And we started into that last week, though. But I want to read verse 10 through 13. Or starting verse 9. 
Um, he said, and, and to bring, uh, ver- actually, we'll start verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to, given to, to preach to Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So verse 10 talks about the... the, the uh, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was part of the, the goal, the purpose of God's of Paul's ministry in making known this, this mystery known to the, to the church, that they then can uh, express the manifold wisdom of God, that it might be made known uh, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now, this manifold wisdom of God... I mean, it's multicolored, variegated. It's more than uh, more can we they can understand. It refers really this picture of this the beauty of this embroidered pattern. And God is through the ages has been bringing this plan to to to, to, to pass here uh, in Christ. And um, and the wisdom here that Paul's talking about that that is made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places through the church is God's eternal purposes in Christ. Uh, those things that he purposed along, as, as we read in verse 11, he said it's, it's, it's the eternal purpose that he has already realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, uh, this, let's look, I want to look back at uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. I want to tie some of that into this understanding God's providence, God's sovereignty over working all things according to his will. But it, it says, verse 9 of chapter 1, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. See, there's this mystery, this purposes before time began that he set forth in Christ that he's going, that he was going to accomplish. And then in verse 11 of chapter 3, he talks about the, the court, these things are according to the eternal purpose that he has has realized in Christ Jesus, things that he's already accomplished in Christ Jesus. So Paul talks in one part about what he purposed beyond, before time began, and, and then in, in chapter 3, he's talking about what he's already accomplished and finished in Christ Jesus. And that this this wisdom of God, this this wisdom is God's purposes in the end that he, he purposed it, um, through Christ's salvation or Christ's uh, death on the cross. And so within the context of Ephesians, as we've been reading, this manifold wisdom of God does not just refer to redemption or a, a forgiveness of sins, but it includes the one new man that we talked about in chapter 2. It also includes the, the new relationship between believing Jews and Gentiles so they could make up the one body of Christ. And that they were, were being built up, that the Jews and Gentiles together, they were being built up and they have been joined together to be God's dwelling, God's temple, God's dwelling place on the earth, where the church is carries the presence of God. So where the Old Testament, the, the, the temple was a place where heaven and earth touched and met. Where, and we, the body of Christ, we're the, we're the temple. And Paul was talking about that's the manifold wisdom of God. This was what God purposed before time. 
that they come together this one body, this one new man, this one people that would be God's dwelling place, not a building, but a people would be a dwelling. And that this through that that the uh, the one people, that one body, that one new man, that dwelling place of God, the wisdom of God, that God purposed that and what he was working in Christ would made, be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So the purpose of the ongoing preaching and teaching and praying uh, of the, the uh, so there's a, those others can know the mystery that, that Paul's talking about that was hidden so that the church with both Jews and Gentiles living and worshiping in his one body in harmony with God and each other, they would function in a way as to become this, this manifest expression of God's rich, multicolored wisdom to the rulers and authority in heavenly places. So this, these purposes of God that he purposed before time and that he has realized in Christ and that bringing together these two separate people and, and, and to bring about a body, the body of Christ, the, the one new man. These are the things God purposed all along and express God's wisdom and how he orchestrates all these different things to bring about his purposes in Christ Jesus. Now, who's these rulers and authorities he's talking about that are in heavenly places? They're both good and evil angels, or even in the heavenly realms. So just as the mystery was hidden from man in ages past, so it was hidden from the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. And right now, through Christ, through the, through, through the body of Christ, rather, on the earth, the angels, uh, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, they are now seeing the multicolored wisdom of God that God purposed before Christ came, and he's realized in what Christ has done. See, the, the, the church, the disciples of Jesus, uh, it's important that they would realize that they are ultimately destined to bring eternal glory to God, and that right now they are to represent God's ultimate purpose within history. See, this, these things that Paul's talking about is not something just to look at and, oh, that's really interesting. No, we're called to live out and function in a way together that we can represent God's ultimate purpose in history, what he purposed in Christ to not just bring uh, salvation, but to bring about unity between believers with each other and with God. So it's so important for us to know that what Christ did was not just give, bring forgiveness to us, but to see this, this ultimate purpose that God had in Christ of bringing um, salvation, but also bringing together, uh, unifying us and unifying with each other and with God. And that, that, that through us, our life, when we understand that, then we find our really our true life's purpose and role. And we'll learn how to live our life in alignment with that purpose. That's why it's so important for us to understand this greater uh, purpose in Christ. Paul is, and Paul's making the point that this wisdom that's expressed through the church is, is central uh, to, the, to the, the ability of the church to witness to the gospel of the kingdom. And it goes right along with um, Jesus' focus in prayer uh, in John 17, 20, 20 through 23, which we're going to read. It just, it's so important for us to understand that we, when we live our life in alignment with God's greater purpose, that helps uh, us as a people, not a, an organization, not an institution, but a people, a community of people, a people in relationship that then we, we are living out the, this purpose of God as one people, together as one body. We then, it helps us witness to the gospel of the kingdom that came to rescue humanity. And it goes right along with Paul's, uh, with, with Jesus' prayer 
in John 17. Let's read there. Paul and Jesus prays this. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. So Paul in Ephesians is saying the same thing that Jesus prays in John chapter 17, understanding that when we as a people live out and express uh, this unity, that God purposed that we would be one new man, that we would be one body, we'd be God's dwelling place. When we start to live that out, it has a huge impact on our ability as a people to witness to the reality of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that Jesus came to rescue humanity and all creation. And so Jesus says it in, in John when he's praying, he wants us to know that when we live as one people together, when we're uh, functioning in that way with God purposed through Christ, that makes a difference in our ability to extend and advance the kingdom so others can know the grace that comes comes to us through Christ Jesus. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, let's move on to there. It says, this, this is all according to the eternal purpose that he, meaning God, has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here he talks about the eternal purpose. The word eternal sometimes means infinite length, but here it suggests there's this infinite and complex purpose that is being worked out within the constraints of time in this age. So there's this infinite purpose that God has in mind, and it's very complex and it's working out. And here, here's the wisdom of God bringing all those things together. All that's being worked out within what we call time or this age here. And he's saying that that's um, that's the eternal purpose of God. And back in chapter one, Paul focuses on God's purpose that was conceived or predestined before creation. Here in chapter three, verse eleven, he talks about the eternal purposes that was realized or already accomplished. Let's look back at chapter one, verse four. Even as He, God, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. See, this is before Him. He chose us that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In verse 9 of chapter 1, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. This will that's been made known to us is, 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 um, it was according to God's purpose that he set forth in Christ before time. In verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And here, so he's He's talking about that, that God purposes these things and he's working all these things to bring about his plan according to his counsel. And in here in 3.11 again, he says this was according to the eternal purpose which he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now this is, um, this word realized or it also means accomplished is in the past tense here. And Paul is focused here on on the realization of God's purposes, which was accomplished by, and it's anchored in this historical act of Jesus at the cross. See, God's purpose that in the fullness of time, we would see all things being united under the lordship of uh, Christ Jesus, which was already been realized in Christ. Uh, if you go back to verse 10, I mean, verse 10 of chapter 1, 
where he talks about there's a plan for the fullness of time, that there's coming a time that all things would be united in Christ, all things would be united as one underneath the Lordship of Christ, both all things in heaven and all things on earth. That's coming. There's a time coming in the future. And he's saying that, that Paul's talking about there that God purposed this from before time. And so he's, he's, it was conceived and God understood this. Of course God understood it, but God purposed it. And Paul states this, that God planned this, that Christ would come. And now Christ has come. He says there's something that this eternal purpose has already been accomplished. It's already been realized because of what Christ did at the cross. It's anchored in the reality of the historical act of Christ. It's done. We have not seen the fullness of it yet. But we'll, we'll see it at some point in the future where it will, all things will become one underneath, united underneath his, the Lordship of Christ, the King, Jesus. Things in heaven and earth. You see, nothing is going to stop what God has purposed. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. And he wants us to understand. But this is an ongoing plan that's being worked out in, within the, cons, uh, this, uh, the constraints of time here that we live within. God is calling us to live in partnership, live our life in alignment with that purpose so more and more we can live out the reality of being united as one new man, as one people, as one body of Christ. It's not just Jews and Gentiles, not it's for us. It can be all different kind of things that separate us, but we're called to be a one, one people. That way, the witness we have as a people, even as Jesus prayed, that, that people would know that Jesus Christ was sent by God because of the unity we have with him and with each other. Now, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, it goes on. It says, in whom, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, uh, Paul is saying here in verse 12, this boldness and access with confidence for, through faith, uh, that we have through faith in him. When we start to understand what God purposed from the very beginning, as Paul's writing here to the church, wanting them to understand, God had a plan and purpose in calling you at this time in history. And that uh, through what God did in Christ Jesus at the cross, he realized that purpose, that purpose being one new man, this one body, this one people dwelling together, being God's dwelling place on the earth where his presence is with this people. And he said, and he says, also because you're in Christ and you're part of that, uh, you need to understand that God is currently working in you to bring that reality more and more to pass in your life. So it becomes more and more functional, that reality of the one new man, the, the body of Christ, the, 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 tw- the temple living, to, uh, living together, uh, being partners together in the kingdom. He says it will then, we'll have this sense of boldness and access with confidence through faith in him because we're, we're joining with what he's doing. We understand what, we're, what our purpose and role is in God's greater purposes. And boldness for me, Paul means being bold in speech, his freedom to speak freely. Um, it, it, there's a sense of license and authority to address and to speak openly with the sovereign whose rule knows no bounds and no, no end. And so he says, he says, when we start to understand what God has purposed, what he's accomplished, what he's working currently in us and wanting to work through us, we start to become bolder. We start to understand that he's called us for these moments in time and that within the constraints of this time, we're called to work with him. 
and have a boldness to be uh, free in talking to him. And he says, oh, we also have access with confidence. It means with this freedom to, to not just speak, but to approach. We have this, we've been given admission to the throne room of God. And said, so now we come with confidence. It's hope filled with expectation. And it's mixed with this pleasure and excitement. This is a confidence when, that you know that God is involved in his plan and we are involved with him. There's this hope, there's expectation that God is moving and doing things. And there's a sense of pleasure and excitement and anticipation of what God is doing in and through us. And it doesn't mean that there's all happy things. Here Paul's talking I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am, I am excited. I am taking pleasure in what God is doing in me and through me for his glory. And I'm a part of it. And he wants them to see the same thing. I'm a prisoner. You're called to be a prisoner also. Now, through God's eternal plan that was realized in Christ 2,000 years ago. Right now, believers in Christ, we have this confidence to get, to enter God's presence without any inhibitions and approach the Father with expectations and anticipation that is filled with hope and excitement and pleasure because in Christ, He paid the price for our admission to have free access to Him. He has given us a license and authority to address Him and to speak boldly and freely with the Sovereign over the, over the universe. And having confidence, He hears us and will respond to us. Here's the, here's the thing, that, that, that when we understand, believe, and embrace what God has done in Christ for us and what He has given us in Christ, and we have enjoyed the freedom and access to God, we will acquire a fresh confidence and boldness before people. See, when we have this sense of confidence and, and, and boldness and uh, freedom with God, all it does is it creates that in us amongst people, with each other, those that are believers, and also outside the, the community of faith. And um, uh, there's a couple of scriptures I want to add and read uh, uh, as we uh, finish this up here. It's um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where the writer says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In Hebrews 10.35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Let's go to Ephesians 3, verse 13. Uh, so I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, with, which is your glory. Here Paul starts off, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on your behalf. And then he ends it here with saying, I, I am suffering for you. Uh, don't lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Uh, verse 13 here is a conclusion to this kind of short rabbit trail. Paul goes off when he's going to start praying uh, in verse 1, and he, he goes, when he talks about, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. And he's making this point that after, after he explains the reason for his imprisonment and his suffering for their sake, Paul tells them they should not be discouraged because of his suffering for them because his sufferings were for their gain and, 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 and glory. He does not want them to feel bad like it was their fault he, that he was in this predicament. The sufferings he endured, he did willingly. They were the price 
to be paid so that the blessings may come to the Gentiles. See, Paul saw his trials and sufferings as their glory, and he wanted them to look at them in that same way. And he wants us to see the same because he's trying to model for them. You now have this stewardship of this same mystery, this gift of grace. And just as I was called to uh, be a prisoner of Christ, you are too. And it may mean trials and suffering by what you share and what you speak of. But, but know this, it is for your glory and your good that he's doing these things. And Paul, see, see, Paul had been given a stewardship of God's grace for the Gentiles. Paul devoted his life to bringing the gospel to the Gentiles and thought it was worth any risk of suffering to call for unity and stand up for the Gentile equality with Jewish believers. And that they together were the one new man, the body of Christ that God purposed before creation. This, this really infuriated Jews, both the believers and non-believers of, of Jesus which led to the circumstances of Paul's arrest, imprisonment, and eventual martyrdom. But Paul could have chosen not to be faithful to that stewardship and to the Jews, and that that would end up the Jews would not have been infuriated with him, and he would not have been in prison. But he didn't do that. He suffered the wrath of the Jews for it, but many others became members of Christ's body, and this was their glory. See, Paul died a martyr. Uh, to the cause of Christian unity, which challenges us in our day right now for the unity of the church. It's, it's what God desires or what God purposed from the very beginning. This is part of the mystery Paul's talking about, is the unity of the church and living in such a way that we function as, well, as one, one new man, the body of Christ, the temple where his presence is and his, his presence dwells. See, the church is divided in so many ways. Then it was between Jews and Gentiles. Now it's so many numerous ways and so many numerous issues. And what happens is that uh, we don't realize that we're compromising the very foundation of our message of the gospel and reconciliation to God uh, and, and unity to Christ, the one new man. And, and as long as we are divided in all these many different issues, the message of the gospel is hindered by our lifestyle and our not functioning, not living up or not living in the reality of what Christ already realized. And Paul was stressing this to the people of his day. God purposed more than just forgiveness and walking away and doing our own thing. He says, you're, you're forgiven and brought into uh, fellow members of the same body of Christ and you're called to live out that way in a very functional way that expresses the very heart of God, one oneness between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Paul's talking about this mystery here that um, that he's come to know and are given a stewardship of, and he is making known the plan of how it's supposed to be spread. It's not just him. He knows he can't do it all. So he's calling on them and now us to be stewards of that same message of the one new man, the, the body of Christ, that we the people of God being his dwelling place, that in turn the message of the gospel is strengthened by how we live out the reality of what has been accomplished through Christ at the cross, us to become one people together. Now, now uh, we're going to end there, and we're going to pick up in uh, verse 14 in the next episode where Paul finally gets back to uh, uh, the prayer. He starts to pray in, in verse uh, 14 of, of 3 where he says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father. He started in chapter 1, 
went on a rabbit trail. So let's go back again in chapter 3. goes on a rabbit trail, and now he's going to finish off. And both these prayers are important to remember the things Paul's talking about, about the body of Christ and about we as a people of God who were separated before and, and, and distant from him before now been brought into the community of Christ, what we're called to live out. These prayers are part are important for us to understand and to pray for ourselves, both chapter one's prayer and chapter three, because this is what we need to be able to live out the reality of what Paul says God accomplished in Christ Jesus. We cannot do this on our own, not our own strength, not our own wisdom, not our own power. It is all by the power of the Holy Spirit and God working in and through us and us joining in with what God has already done in Christ and us having an understanding and having that access and his bold confidence to come before Christ and join him in prayer. And that's the other part is it's, it's not just access to come and just uh, hop around happy before God. No, it's to be in partnership to, uh, by prayer as we'll see at the end of this whole uh, letter where Paul gets into about finally taking up the, the, the armor of God. We're called to live in such a way. We are uh, a partner with God in God's ongoing advancement of the kingdom today. Until next week, God bless.